Good morning. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio, and it is time for Pomo Perspective. And today on Pomo Perspective, we have live in the studio, Stephanie Hicks, who is Fallon Paiute Shoshone from Northern Nevada, and now has become part of the Coyote Valley community, working with the Tribal Council there. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, everyone. You are also uh, one of our newest DJs here at KZYX, <laughs> yes, <I am. laughs> which is so thrilling. Um, good vibes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're, and you're, you're doing good vibes only on Sunday evenings. And you're about to move to Friday night. Yes, the Friday night spot. So exciting. Very <laughs> cool. So thank you for being part of both the Pomo community here and also the KZYX community. Yes, thank you for having me. So uh, Pomo Perspective is a show produced by Michael Hunter uh, where we, we um, strive to bring Pomo voices to the airwaves here. And mm -hmm. so I really just want to kind of turn it over to you to hear your story and your perspective. So can, yes. can we start by, I know, so <laughs> go. No, can, yeah. can we start by talking about, um, sort of your childhood and where you were born and, and where you grew up? Oh, all right. Well, um, I am Fallon Paiute Shoshone and my tribe is located outside of Reno, probably about an hour and a half, uh, east. And it's a rural farm town community. <laughs> they call it Stillwater as well. It's out further um, past even the Air Force Base. Um, but that's where my dad is from, and that's where I'm enrolled. However, I did grow up in Carson City, Nevada, in the capital of Nevada, with my single mother at the time. And um, I guess just learned how to live with both perspectives, well, learned the perspectives as I was growing up. Um, my mother was a single mother. I became, you know, a latchkey kid. Um, and then I soon got, you know, another half brother. So it was transitioning you know, into learning that with a different uh, stepdad. And also just not recognizing, um, obviously I was brown, but um, you know, that majority of the people were Caucasian, you know, around me, which, I wasn't raised to recognize one way or the other, but did know the difference, I guess. Um, I was able to go to summers out on my family's ranch, so that was kind of nice. Although I didn't spend a lot of time with my dad, <laughs> uh, my grandmother always watched me, or I would go over to my aunt and uncles with my cousins, and they were big ranchers and farmers, so I got to play outside. And, you know, it was the typical thing. So I go outside. <laughs> And you go run outside, yes. get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, go outside and the latch key thing. Yes. Um, I don't know if, pe do people, do younger people even know what we, ex what we went through? <laughs> Probably not. The latch key. It's like, they call it that because they gave us the house key and sent us home, from, you know, we'd go home from school and then kind of yeah. entertain ourselves while our moms were yeah, um, at work. I remember, um, this is the time that my mom was working at Nevada Bell Company in Reno. So it was even 30, 45 minutes away from where we lived. So she commuted there every day, and I, not that I really, I woke up and she, most of the time she wasn't there. She was already gone for work. So I had already had my clothes laid out, you know, and I did that. That was kind of my uh, Sunday night thing. I tried on clothes and then I laid them all out and I knew exactly what I was going to wear all week. <laughs> um, but I got up on my own and I got ready for school. I locked the door and then I walked down the street, you know, to the bus stop where all the other little kids were. And I think about it these days. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would not send any of my kids or anybody that I, you know, any little kid that I know to go do that but 
it was fine. You know, we were safe, I guess. And, you know, our neighbors, you know, watched out for us. Um, but yeah, I did that all on my own. And I even amazed myself. And I'm like, geez, that was probably, you know, fourth, you know, fifth grade, maybe younger. I can't really remember. But I was like, wow, I got up and did that. You know, one time I do remember for my birthday, I got up. Like I said, my mom was already gone for work, but it was big for Cabbage Patch days. And I wanted to want a Cabbage Patch. <laughs> and I woke oh. up on my birthday, and it was right there on my little bookshelf. And I was so excited. I was like, yay. And, you know, I had to call my mom every morning. And, you know, and I was like, hey, thanks, Mom. And oh, <laughs> that was so like a cool thing. It yeah. was this 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 fad when we were kids yes. that, of Cabbage Patch dolls. Before the Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, those were kind of gross. <laughs> <Right>. but, <laughs> but Cabbage Patch were just these yes. little baby dolls. Yes. And, and everybody had them. They did. Everybody. It was like before the Elmer. Fad, you yes. know that what people or lined up, at, yeah, or people like lined up to, to, to get them, and they would always sell out. It was really, really hard to get them. Right. I know, I remember, and they had little birth certificates yes. with the yes. with the doll's name. And you're speaking my language here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> See, that was our era. <laughs> it was. I guess we're Gen X. Yeah. This is the most Gen X conversation I've ever had. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I can totally relate, especially the thing where you like call your mom. Yes. Yeah. You, know, was, you have like set times yep. where you call your mom. Yep. Call my mom. I'm up. I'm leaving. Okay. When I got home. Okay. Make sure you get home. You know, you lock the door. Call me as soon as you get home. And it's like, okay. And yep. And this isn't on cell phones. This is on. This is on the longest telephone cord you can find, right? <laughs> The phone attached in the living room, and you're talking way back somewhere in the, you know. <laughs> and you have to make sure not to knock cord. things over. Yeah. So, yeah. and this is so interesting because I didn't, I didn't grow up in a native community, but my um, experiences were exactly the same. Uh, do you think that there was uh, the influence of growing up in a native community and the native well, part of the of the city? At this time, I was not in a native community. So this was in, um, you know, just a general community. We're in the city at this point. In Carson City. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the younger grade, probably until eighth or ninth grade. And then at that point, we moved to what they call a Indian colony. And so they are the colonies that are in... Um, in cities, if you will. That's such um, an ironic I, name. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just something that they do in Nevada. I mean, that's just what I'm familiar with. I don't see many colonies, you know, here in California. Um, but there we have a colony, and it was the Washoe Tribe Colony, and that was because my stepdad was Washoe. Mm -hmm. And so he uh, got a house there. And so we moved into that house. And that was probably when I started to be a freshman. And I remember that because the junior high had to be at the other junior high and not the junior high where most of the, you know, fancy kids go because that was on the west side of the of the <laughs> of the town. And I was on the east side of the town. But mine was a brand new junior high. There was nothing wrong with it. It was just, you know, the status. Thing. Ah, OK, so yeah. you had some awareness even in junior high that there was the fancy, more affluent, perhaps the white junior high. Yeah. And yeah. then there was the other junior high. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. And we noticed that, too, with um, the different elementary schools, too. You know, like, well, most of them kind of went to Catholic school and some went to this other one like Seeliger and or Fremont, which was like a 365, what is it, year-round school? Uh-huh. You know, so, there, yeah, it, even though it was a small town, you just kind of get to know that. Did it matter to you? Uh, Not really. Not really. Um. It was kind of, I was really fortunate in being um, good at sports. 
And so that always broke the barrier for me, um, you know, being in te on teams since I was really young. The parents, you know, everybody got along. You know, my mom was like the team mom, regardless how much she, you know, needed to be at work. She was at like every single one of my games. Like she would just go and go. So that made a big difference. Um, but other than like knowing color differences or having being bothered by it, not so much. Um, now, when I did go to the colony, again, I was on sports or on the sports teams. And I got roused a little bit, you know, by some people because they would call me an apple. So that's kind of the, the word that you get called, you know, when you're native and trying to make it in the white world. <laughs> you know, but just trying to learn the little nuances and living in between both communities. You know. An apple. An apple. You're red on the outside and white on the inside. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> mm. They have similar terms for different ethnicities, but that yes. is what we are called. Yes. As I've heard. Story. And it's always food. Right. <laughs> That's so weird, huh? <laughs> we were called, the environmentalists were called watermelons because we were green on the outside, but red on the inside, meaning we're communists. What? I've yeah. never heard that before. Wow. Yeah, well, and a fruit. And another fruit. I know. Well, anyway. Um, so, but you were yeah. being kind of taunted and teased about that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, just with my upbringing, you know, with my grandmother just being, you know, strong headed and, uh, and just whatever. Everybody, all my family just really just brushed off anything everybody said. You know, nobody really cared too much about it. We didn't get caught up in rumor mills or, you know, gossiping about people, you know, I've always just been taught not to do that. And um, so we didn't get caught up in a lot of that stuff. Uh, same would go for even like tribal politics, you know, we didn't get tied up so much in our tribal politics, one, because we didn't live right there. Mm -hmm. um, but two, it was just because it's, it's like never ending sometimes, you know, it's like, and I'm sure most, most other communities deal with the same problems, you know, but us as natives, um, you know, sometimes our, our best enemies, you know, are people within our community, you know, it's, they don't like to see, I don't know if, I can't say that they don't like to see people succeed, but they don't like to see you succeed, maybe. I don't, you know, I don't know how to put it in, and, and it's, um. It's really, you know, it's shameful, you mm -hmm. know, because we deal with so many other, you know, hard things out in the world that we should really depend on our community and our family. Now, if you have somebody on the outside coming in and attacking us, well, they'll be the first ones to get our back and then, you know, we've got you. <laughs> but, you know, they're the other ones that just, you know, constantly tease and strive and push you at the same time so it's really how do you process that information and what do you do with it you know yeah so um when people were trying to taunt me or you know saying things you know at high school at that point i was like okay i'm on varsity team i'm winning awards or getting states i'm doing well in school i'm gonna do me i'm not gonna be here much longer i'm gonna go to school so Say whatever you want. Like, what am I supposed to have do? Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Not cool. enjoy my life because you're going <laughs> to give me grief about it? 
Yeah, Mike and I say this thing. It's called, well, cool story, bro. All right, <laughs> later. <laughs> Gotta go. Continuing my mission here. So. Now, and I wonder how, um, if you didn't have a family who was so supportive, if, if right. it would have been so easy to, to brush it off, but you had a pretty special family. Yeah, that was yeah. I got to see a lot of different perspectives just by going to you know stay with my grandma for a little bit, then my aunts and uncles, and then back to my mom and... And then on my mom's side, you know, I have two amazing aunts there, you know, that um, have always served the people. You know, one worked with IHS and she, you know, all the way up to Washington, D.C. and back and changed things um, with um, local clinics, you know, in California and Susanville. My other aunt, Lorenda Sanchez, she um, founded CIMC, which is California Indian Manpower Consortium. So it's part of... Um, a consortium of California tribes, but they were focused on labor technical stuff in helping um, adults, children, you know, getting acclimated. And that's the labor force training, you know, getting outside of that and training them to do something else. So following them as well, you know, and being strong women and, and doing stuff on their own, realistically, you know, they really just all of them. I got it. Yeah, it was a wide perspective all around. Wow. <laughs> do you, when you look at your family and when you think about your aunts and your mom i mean raising you the way she did took a huge amount of strength and creativity yes. and power and dedication and commitment and um just i'm just blown away by by that um do you see the roots of that if you look back in the generations is that something that you can see in your family um yeah definitely well so you know um my mother's, my grandmother, but my mother's mother passed away when I was young. So I remember probably like in the first or second grade, because she did live with us for a little bit when we were in Carson, but um, she had passed away, but she was young. My mom was young at that time. So she had to be probably 30s or something like that and losing her mom. Um, but she was, she worked you know, almost every day possible. She was a maid. She actually was a maid in the governor's office or the governor's house in um, Carson City, Nevada at one point. So there's, you know, photos of her, you know, even with Nixon, you know, where she's in the background. Um, I have photos. They're really strong with um, the Laxalt family. And so strong enough where even my mom actually grew up a little bit and lived in the governor's mansion and the Laxalt um there's Nina and Kevin. They're actually considered my aunts because I grew up really close to them, too. So it's really kind wow. of weird. But she always just worked. She worked, worked, mm -hmm. worked and supported herself. And um, even a side note, you know, I guess even before that, um, she had gambling houses. So, she, yeah, I don't have the full story on that. My cousin probably knows a little bit more about that. But they're big in gambling, you know, so you have the stick games. But then they also had, you know, like 21 and. Um, some other forms of gambling, but she had little gambling houses around. So, wow. yeah, to support, you know, what they needed. Um, I had a grandfather, um, but he passed away when I was really young on that, on my mother's side. On my dad's side, I, my grandfather wasn't present. He was passed, he passed away earlier on. He was kicked by a horse. So that's kind of like on my, that side, they've all worked on the farm. Mm -hmm. Like I had said, um, my dad also is a Mustanger, so he would go break horses and utilize them, you know, on the farm, or even if they got so good, then they, you know, he would go and sell those. So that's how he made his living. 
everybody just kind of did their thing. They all just, they worked, you know, and, um, and I guess that's probably, you know, where I picked it up. Just mm -hmm. there's definitely a strong self-sufficiency vibe yeah. in all of those different experiences. It yeah. seems like. And it was, you know, and, and then my uncle on my, you know, my dad's side, he was a rancher and a farmer too. Like everybody just worked. And realistically, those were the two main guys in my life. Mm -hmm. now, if I, now that I think about besides my stepdad, I you know, shouldn't say that, but my stepdad who came in, you know, middle school, something like that. Yeah. So. All right. This is Pomo Perspective. Stephanie Hicks is here. She is talking about growing up Fallon Paiute Shoshone in Northern Nevada, moving to Carson City uh, and eventually making your way here to yes. Mendocino County. You work with the Coyote Valley community and the tribal council there. Uh, but there's a lot of the story in between Carson City <laughs> yeah. to, to, to Coyote Valley. So let's talk about um, what happened with you in high school and college. You were really good at sports. Yeah, yeah, I was good at sports. Um, I loved basketball. That was my passion. Um, my state or softball team we won state two years volleyball i liked it but we were never really good at volleyball we left that to the californians i guess <laughs> but um but basketball yes love that and so i was able to go play d1 basketball down at northern arizona university um which was an eye-opener for me um i really enjoyed it but i didn't enjoy it that much and um it just put a strain on me i ended up getting sick you know from two days and it's cold outside and it was just i guess i say miserable but um it's not what i wanted my college experience to be and just because it was just all consuming all consuming and that was even before the season started you know this is just preseason. this is just freshman year this is like day or week two of being at college it's like okay you know it's, you're having two a days you go to study hall you eat sleep you know and it's just non-stop and the biggest thing there was i had never been trained to be a runner and my new coach um that just came in because the coach i got recruited by left she went to a different school and so i was st not stuck i was stuck with the one who came in she's a good coach she actually is still the coach right now at asu so charlie turner thorne but they were runners and you got trained on the track. So that was our preconditioning. And um, I'm tall enough where I wasn't short to be a, a guard. So I had to meet guard times. And it was fast. It was like, I want to say like 4.30 or 5 mile. You know, like you had to train to make that. And so we, you know, train, 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 train. And, oh, I mean, it was just so miserable. I mean, I don't know how many times I've thrown up, you know, on that track in the oh. morning. <laughs> You're just pushing yourself. Okay. and. You know, and then it's cold out, so you get sick eventually. Yeah, it was just running down. Uh -huh. And um, so fortunately, you know, my mom worked, you know, really hard and was able then to say, okay, I got partial scholarships and was able to just work in the athletic department, in their marketing department. And that was great because then it helped. And then my mom was able to, you know, pay and, oops, sorry, we took loans out to just, you know, do the rest. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so that was, that was really cool. And I was working then with the booster club. So the athletic booster club eventually. So it was sports marketing, event management. And then when I graduated, I was able then to transition down to Phoenix, Arizona. And there, um, with my degree and everything, I was able to go and work with the Phoenix Suns um, athletic club for mm -hmm. a little bit. 
and which was cool, you know, but then there was really no growth, you know, it's like you're kind of stuck and doing the grind and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. And then went to the Tostitos um, Bowl Championship Festival Series. So I did that for two games, which was really cool. Again, you know, it's just a lot of people, different people everywhere. And uh, then I picked up into the government. So I needed something that was more stable, had some upward mobility insurance and, you know, benefits. Right. And I got a job with the Bureau of Indian Affairs in their Acquisitions and Procurement Department. So they did a training program with that. So that was great. So, okay, so let's stick with the sports for just just okay. a minute. Because, I don't know, for me, it's just, <laughs> I don't know anything ab- about it. I was like, the Phoenix Suns, that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> basketball. The Suns were. <laughs> Sorry, I know, I know. I have other skills. <laughs> you do know who the Warriors are, though, right? <laughs> oh, heck yes. Okay, okay. okay. I okay. I know that. They are. Um, thank you. <laughs> but so what did you find there that was really satisfying for you? Because uh, it sounds like, um, and I'm also curious about getting the scholarship to go to Northern Arizona University mm-hmm. and play basketball and then finding it was just not what you wanted at all. Just did you feel like, did you feel any pressure because you had the scholarship that you that you had to yeah. to do it, or did you feel like no, not right for me? We're, we're changing the plan here. I did, I did, and you know, like any mama's girl, you know, I called my mom, and, and I, I just wasn't feeling. I was so miserable, and I just remember that day because um, the, the main coaches were gone, and one of the assistants were there. They were off recruiting, and. Um, and I was trying to run. It was indoors, but I'm um, trying to do the sprint still. And he was just like, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you, you know? And I was like, I don't feel good. He's like, well, you need to go to the health center then and get medicine or, you know, whatever. And, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I did, you know, but it's, you know, it's not helping. But at the same time, I was just like, this isn't fun. I don't even get to play basketball that much. All I'm doing is running around, you know, like all these test and this and and then you know going to study halls and 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 two you're going into a new system you know it's a whole new system it's coaches that don't really know you like i said that's not the coach that recruited me Mm -hmm. so you're going into a new system where your coach don't really know you. you're going into a whole new team and there's already now you're a freshman you know you're and you're in a whole different city whole different city um yeah it was it was really just a lot well this is one note um when i did have to pick up and pay for, uh, not me, but my mom, we went to the tribe and asked the tribe if they could help, you know, any way they can. And so I know that is a misnomer out there because some people think that, oh, all the Indians and natives, they get free education, they get free dental, they get free healthcare, they get free everything, right? It's just like a golden word. It's like, what worries do we have, right? <laughs> well, if you say it that way, yeah, you're right. We wouldn't, <laughs> but that's not the case. Um, so I had to go and ask the council. I just said, hey, can you help with, you know, books? You know, it's like five, $600 or something like that at that time. And um, one of my council members asked me if I could go without the books. <laughs> this was not the time of Google Books. I am not kidding you. No. Exactly. But even then, you still have to buy the subscription to have right. them on there, right? True. Or you still have to buy the equipment to have it for Google Books. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. And um, that was like really disheartening at that time. I, I felt uh, felt like a very low place at that time. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, and kind of makes me cry now, you know. Yeah. But my mom was like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. My mom did. My mom went and got another job, and so then she started working at the airlines. So this is wow. she would go to the telephone company to work, 
And then she got a job afterward part-time at the airline so she could fly free because I was in Arizona. Uh So see, that way she could fly free and come see me more often, but then also had additional income. Well, then with that additional income, because it was, you know, she was raking it in, (laughs) supposedly, um, then I didn't apply. I didn't apply. What was it? She then made too much money. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't qualify for the Pell Grants anymore. So then it was like the next semester <laughs> she was having to pay more because I didn't, you know, I wasn't in poverty, uh-huh. I guess, or something like that. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So and then the, I have to get loans and things to, yeah. to, to get through it. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. But, you know, then being able to work in within um, the athletic, I guess, field and vibe, it still brought that competitiveness or just being involved with that, I guess, that I still needed. And then going then down to the Phoenix Suns Athletic Club, it was a little bit different, um, but still, again, just enjoying and getting to gain knowledge from a lot of the people that I met. You know, like, there's, I'm still seeing, you know, like, GMs, and I'm still seeing, you know, um, the athletes there. You know, I'm, I'm playing pickup, you know, at lunch, you know, with some of the, you know, people that are coming in to play, you know, Mm -hmm. even with some of the Mercury players, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, there's just pickup games at lunch and we're playing. So that was really cool. You know, it's like, we got tickets, we got tickets to the games, you know? Super high level, really accomplished. And also, um, it seems like it's it's a huge franchise, right? Right, So lots of really high powered people. But it was still, it it was, it was astonishing to me that it was still achievable. Mm -hmm. So that was really good. You know, it's kind of like, oh, cool. Now I get a little patch, you know, on my vest now, you know, it's like you get to add that one because people know, knew, maybe not you, maybe not in California. (laughs) Sorry. No, most people know. Most people are okay with Phoenix (laughs) Suns Athletic Club, you know, and yeah. yeah, It's prestigious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that you that you experienced at college was um, you didn't get the kind of kind of taunting and teasing that you had back on Washoe. You where you were called an apple. Right. You met people from other tribes I in did. northern Arizona. I did. So it's really close to the Navajo Nation. Um, the closest town, I believe, is like Tuba City. And you guys may have heard of that one lately because that was kind of like the coronavirus, you know, outbreak oh, to right. area. Yes. And it's along Highway 40, you know, from Arizona to New Mexico. But um, yeah, I was able to. So after I quit the team and was just playing, I was in one of my, you know, 100 level classes and um, saw some other natives there. And they uh, were looking for some girls to pick up for, um, what are they, it, that's not inaugural, what is it called? Intramural. Oh. Intramural sports. And so it was like, yeah, sure, I'll play. Oh, I know, because she knew one of the girls that was on the basketball team and so wanted to know if I wanted to play at native tournaments and travel with them. And so you're not supposed to do both, but consequently, since I had quit, then I was like, yeah, I'll play. Wow. So, so that just opened up a whole nother family. You know, that's my Southwest family, my little Navajos, Dene, you know, and my Hopi friends. And, oh, they're just, they're just dear to my heart. They're dear friends to this day. And we traveled um, all over the different states to go play. And um, So there's a native basketball? Yes, yeah. Yeah, we have native basketball, native fast pitch. Um, and so we have youth tournaments uh, that people play. And yeah, you travel. So it's like you pick up, you leave Thursday or Friday, and then you play Friday, Saturdays, championship maybe on Sunday, and then you f- leave and go back to where you, you know, where you live. Where did you travel? Is so it always going there, to reservations? 
Um, most of the time, unless, um, unless they didn't have a gymnasium, you know, to, then they would rent one like in town or if they had nationals. And so, uh, most of the time we would travel to, I mean, New Mexico, they had a big tournament there, um, in Albuquerque, Phoenix, we had, there was some national tournaments that they held down there. Um, and then, yeah, like just different reservations around. We went to Fort Duchesne. We traveled to like Bishop, California. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones in that area. And then if we had to go further, we'd fly. And then we were all college students, but that was our priority, right? Like we had to have enough money to get our flight, have food there. And most of the time our teams were um, good enough. And so we got sponsors. And so they would pay our entry fee. Sometimes they would pay for our rooms. So, you know, kind of it made up for the difference, but wow. Wow, it was so much fun and we got great um, gifts. Sometimes it was money to help travel, right? Sometimes they were satin jackets, you know, back in the day, <laughs> um, but they did start picking it up and then we got Pendleton jackets and, you know, they got nicer and nicer. But yeah, I mean, from that sport and traveling with, I have friends, native friends all over, you know, the nation, I mean, to BC to Florida, to Minneapolis. Just, so it was a national... Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you call it? Um, a tour. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like a tournament tour. Right. But um, Wow, yeah. so you're playing a different league. That was the word I was looking oh. for. It's a national league or what? Not a league. Okay. Nothing, yeah, it's nothing I shouldn't even try like to use sports terms. <laughs> That's just not, I shouldn't even try. It's okay, though, that was big. That was big. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Kudos for that one. <laughs> it's, a, uh, uh. it's a league, yeah. But what a view. You know, what a way to see communities across the yes. country. Yes, yes. And uh, meet people. I mean... And the things you do, you know, too, traveling when you're young, you know, because we did go out, you know, we did like to, you know, party a little bit, and you know, young enough, we were able to then play the next day. So it wasn't, you know, those days are over. Yeah, exactly. But it was, yeah, it was just fun. You get to see how other people live. You get to see how other reservations um, survive. Um I mean, I just, <laughs> I just asked myself, you know, that uh, saying, well, did you die though? You know, it's like, it, it's so <laughs> real when I think about the times we, you know, would go travel out to a bonfire out there in like this wrecked up Chevy or something. And it was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> we did but it. it. Yeah. And, but it was, yeah, it was just, it was still family at the end of the day, you know, and they looked out for you and they had their friends and, you know. It was it was still good though. Yeah, that was fun. Wow. Yeah. All right, and then okay, after college, then you got the internship with the Phoenix Suns yeah. and the 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 Tostitos Bowl Championship Series. Yeah. And at a certain point, you switched your focus and you yeah. got a job. I, I guess did it start with an internship or got a job at the Bureau of Indian Affairs. I got a job with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. They it was called. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was kind of like a in training person, mm -hmm. a training position. You had to have your business credits, you had to have a degree, you had to have you know all these minimal things, um, and then you applied, qualified for the job. So qualifying for the job, then you started at a, I think they were like a GS five, and then they took you up to different steps every two years or whatever after you completed training and your job experience. It was like on the job training, if you will. So I did that for the um, 
for them for at least five years there. And it was great. So the acquisitions position is a government or inherently government position, meaning you have to have a warrant and you're the only one who is obligated or authorized to obligate the government. So you're the only one who can sign contracts. So it's not a position that be, can be contracted out, if you will. You have to actually be a government employee for mm-hmm. that. And um, for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, we focused on services that were provided to um, all of our agencies. So it was, you know, you could be fire-related services, fire emergency services, underground wastewater uh, tanks, um, construction of new schools, construction of new buildings. It could be services, supplies. So it was really... Um, it was a wide variety of things that I was having to do market research on and purchase and look into. So it's really just infrastructure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was infrastructure, even police department, or not police department, but the police, you know, the Bureau of Indian Affairs police. And uh-huh. stuff yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. So yet another very big picture yeah. view of, um, of Native America, basically, you're going. Yeah. Are you going to working with tribes all over the country? Uh, this was just in the western region. Okay. So it was Arizona, New Mexico, and oh, is that it? Nevada? Maybe? Nevada. Yes, yes. There you go. I know yeah. that that much. I that know. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Um, and w- so, where did you? Where were you working? In Phoenix. In Phoenix. Uh, downtown Phoenix. Yeah. At the APS building. Yeah. And then? And then I decided to move to Kansas. <laughs> well, I actually got engaged, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all Life history. happened. Life happened. Yes. But um, I wanted to stick with having my government job. And so I actually lived about two, two and a half hours outside of Kansas City on a reservation. <laughs> and I drove and commuted into Kansas City two, two and a half hours to get to my job every day, every day, one way, one way. Yeah. So mind you, it, it was kind of nice drive, if you will, because there wasn't a lot of traffic mm-hmm. until you got to town. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of, you know, space out and just drive. Um, but on the other hand, I just, I wanted to keep my job, you know, I wanted to have my benefits. I wanted to still contribute, you know, so I did that for five years and, um, yeah, and then life happens, and I was able to get have an opportunity in Seattle, um, working on one that they call the mega contract, but it was basically a multi agency government something. But it was a super fun, so it was environmental cleanup remediation contracts. And so those contracts, well, actually, I take it back a little bit. When I was in Kansas City, I worked for the Army Corps of Engineers, so I got out of the BIA. And when I was with the Army Corps of Engineers, um, I worked on construction and architect engineering contracts. And so we worked closely with our project managers to develop the scopes, and then we go on out and, you know, compete it and contract, do the award, that kind of stuff. And so, and that wasn't tribal. That was Correct. That was not tribal. That was Army government. Corps of Engineers. Uh-huh. So most of our um, customers were Army bases. Um yeah, you know, government projects, that type of stuff. But really getting very well-versed in how th- the government functions and how yes. things uh, get yes. done, how projects get conceived of, yes. paid for, and then executed. Yes, yes. And it was an eye-opener, you know, from BIA, Bureau of Indian Affairs, which is under Department of Interior. Then going to um, Army Corps of Engineers, you know, which is under Department of Defense. Um, 
yeah, uh, both operated pretty much the same. So like I said, and then I went to Seattle and Seattle was still with Army Corps of Engineers and that was great. And then I wanted to get back out to the West Coast closer to my family. Uh -huh. And so an opportunity came up with the uh, VA in Palo Alto. And that was with the activations department. And so I got that job. So I moved down to Palo Alto, California. And that was with the VA. And let's just say that was very eye-opening. And it just sounds so cliche, but oh my gosh. I did that job. I did each of those jobs, each of those stations for about five years each. And um, the VA was really, um, well, our hands were really tied, you know. For our acquisitions department, they keep you separated, um, hypothetically, from the project manager, so there is no bias, if you will, that you have an independent mind and you have an independent uh, rationale to hiring a company, and which is all fine. Um, but when I was with the activations down there at the VA, it was activating new hospitals and new clinics. So I worked with the project managers, the uh, um, the equipment planners, interior designers, everybody on the team who was getting new hospitals and new clinics built, um, and still trying to understand clearly what they're looking for rather than just counting on it on the paper. You know what I mean? So I had a personal relationship with them and which was good and we worked well as a team, but oh, that red tape. Oh, oh my gosh, the red so tape. So help me understand the difference here. So in the interior and in Department of Defense, at the BIA and at the um, Army Corps of Engineers, they kept you isolated so you weren't influenced to give contracts to people in any kind yeah, of corrupt way? Yeah, and I wouldn't say kept you separated, but uh -huh. that's, the, that's the mere intent of the organization, right, is that we have our own pipeline and we report only to acquisition staff. Mm -hmm. We don't report to other branch managers, if you will, because they don't want, say, evaluations or anything like that to be affected by, oh, good, you awarded it to this person or you awarded it. You know, it's like you're keeping the integrity of your position uh -huh. and the job function. And then how was that at the Veterans Administration? So, veterans was so... I don't even know if I can explain it. Um, <laughs> uh -oh. There were just... There were so many... They call them pipe pipe stems or stove pipes. There are so many stove pipes that you answered to. It was crazy. Um, we had, you know, obviously our media supervisors within acquisitions, um, but some of the different policies, you know, whether it was, um, uh, say art or decorations or stuff you're going to put on the walls, like that had a separate policy and different people you answer to. Oh, I see. Um, if you had, say, if I was buying, um, medical beds, you know, it could be I was buying 500 or maybe a thousand medical beds and spending millions of dollars. Well, just because I'm over, say, a million dollars now, there's another pipe, you know, that I have to go up and I have to write other rationales. And literally, it's just the same bed, but it's taken me over a million or two million or three million or four million, or five million. You know, it's like there was just all these things and they take so long and then they have you go through legal and in um, Kansas City at the Corps of Engineers, I had a legal team, a legal a lawyer for my specific functions per branch, right? So they knew exactly what it was all the time. They were always familiar with the, the verbiage, the language, whatever. Now you come to VA and you have one lawyer for like our whole region, which uh, how was that efficient at all? Oh, it was it was mind-boggling wow yeah and then you know i can't have the hospital get delayed and not open because you guys can't review this or you're saying oh i wrong period or, i'm sure it was more complex than that but it was 
it was there was nothing complex wow. to what we were getting. We're trying to just get these new buildings and mm-hmm. new hospitals and clinics open for our veterans and you guys want to hold this up with red tape, you but know? it was really over bureaucratized. Oh, oh yeah, it was. And so I had to get out of there. Yeah. I was just like, this is, yeah, it was just putting me between hard, a rock and a hard place at that point. Just and, couldn't do your job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me reintroduce you. This is Pomo Perspective. I'm talking with Stephanie Hicks, who is uh, Fallon Paiute Shoshone, originally from Northern yes. Nevada, yeah. but uh, up here now, uh, part of the Coyote Valley Pomo community and works with the Coyote Valley Tribal Council there. Um, and But with a lot of stops <laughs> in between. Yes, um, and what stuff. a perspective yeah. going through all. How do you feel about um, Deb Holland now being in charge of Interior after your oh, years at the Bureau of Indian Affairs? It's needed. It's much needed. You know, I don't I don't see how um, I mean, I understand why other you know parties or other people have issues with it. But who better to help protect our lands and, you know, and our minerals and resources? You know, I know there is a conflict, but you have to have somebody who has, you know, that interest at heart, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Do you think it'll have an effect on the BIA? Um, Having a Native woman in charge of interior? I don't know so much. They have had Native um, Deputies, I think is what they call them, deputy directors over Bureau of Indian Affairs before. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how much it will affect BIA. Now I know how much it will affect Department of Interior, most likely. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Because when they deal with those policies or that procedural stuff at the top, um, I don't know how much it affects, mm-hmm. you know, ongoing on down. There's a, a bit of distance between the Secretary of the yeah. Interior and the Well, because they have the a lot of different bureaus within Department of Interior. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be overseeing a lot of different bureaus. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited. You know, how many times have we given that chance to, you know, other ethnicities and other parties? Especially with uh, like several hundred generations <laughs> right. of connection with the land here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it is kind of it's exciting. Well, okay. So after all of that federal government career experience, <sighs> yes. um, after Palo Alto, then you you came here. I did. Yes. I What's did. that story? How'd you get here? Well, so I got tricked. I'm just joking. joking. (laughs) We all got here. (laughs) So um, obviously then, you know, uh, my boyfriend, Michael Hunter, you know, lives up here. And so with the chaos and stuff that I was doing, going through in Palo Alto, we just made the decision, you know, that why, why go, go both, you know, why live here and there and just quit the job, you know, how, um, how can I ask you how you guys met? Um, through native ball, actually. So playing ball and really? you know, tournaments and, and then to just on the government, um, function. So like, uh, NCAI tournament or tournaments, <laughs> NCAI meetings. So there's a national Congress of American Indians meetings that we have, uh, gaming meetings. And like I said, my aunts were really involved with that. And so one aunt, particularly Lorenda with her job training programs, um, I, as even high school and college would go and help her at some of these conferences. So it just multiple areas where we continually, you know, ran into each other and, and have known each other for a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and when you said when you were living, uh, when you were working in Kansas City, you commuted two and a half hours yes. 
So, but and Palo Alto is probably about that far from here, but you were just... More traffic. Oh, ew, yeah, <laughs> totally. It's probably eight hours from here if you count in traffic yes. at certain times of the day. So, yeah. um, so you just... Well, I actually had a place down there, but I would come up here on the weekends to get away. And it was like, oh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was nice and slow and it's so pretty. And then when the leaves were changing and... And it was like Sunday and Monday morning came and I was like, I'm dreading it. You know, it's 4 a.m. and I'm like, I got to get on the road to get to work. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I came up here and um, it was fine. I then just made a decision, you know, well, actually what happened too is I ended up coming down with rheumatoid arthritis. Oh. Yeah. So I wasn't feeling well down there with all the stress and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And so I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And so it's like, okay, well, you kind of need to kick back your stress. You need to take care of yourself, you know, that type of stuff. And so that's really what pushed me then to do it. So I was able to do consulting stuff and projects on the side. So it was great. It worked out just fine and um, was able to just get in it and love it. You know, Um, I never understood what the vibe was until you actually get up here. And it's so weird. You know, it's again, a cliche. It's good vibes. He's like, no, but it really is. <laughs> you guys don't understand. You know, it's really cool. And it's a relaxing feeling, uh-huh. you know, for the most part. After yeah. living in all of these chaos. cities. Yeah. Yeah. And chaos, from- you know, especially Kansas City, you know, it's like Kansas City and then that outside, um, you know, in the reservations and, you know, seeing how people do look at you differently. You know, it's like my skin color, my skin color is not dark, but it's not light, you know, but in some areas I could be considered dark. And so people do look at you weird, you know, sometimes. Wow. In, in Kansas City in particular? Yeah. Well, outside in the rural areas. Uh-huh. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. In the rural areas. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just still ranchers and farmers, you know, still the typical and um, most natives out there, um, aren't as dark they might be um they're just not as dark it's traditionally you know huh. they're lighter skinned um and i don't know if it's because they're mixed or what you know but i didn't i didn't cover that but i'm 100 percent native so my grandmother's 100 percent shoshone native and uh, my parents are both Paiute and shoshone mix on that side so but so that's you know, i get dark but it's it was just it's refreshing to come out here um People generally do care about other people for the most part. You know, they want to do the right thing, um, but it just gets so convoluted sometimes. And especially in the social media age, it's, it's, uh, it, you just, it, I just want to rack, hit my, my head sometimes. Like, what are people doing? Why are they talking like that? Why are they mm-hmm. listening to that? Or why are you even regurgitating it? You know, mm-hmm. and like I said, I've just never come to that point where. You regurgitate in, you know, rumor and rumor and rumor and just let it spread. Mm-hmm. So it's just... not even just political stuff that you're saying. It's it's like rumors around the community. Oh, and... yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Don't stop. You know, and it's just like, it, and too, you come up with these rumors and like, do people, do you think that people really believe this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand. Like, other people are not that vulnerable and gullible like you may be. So why would you, why? I just... Again, it's, it's really hard to disabuse people of wrong ideas. I mean, yeah. and all of us, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like when we latch yeah. on to those things that we really, truly believe it's, it's hard to pry right. that loose. It takes years and years. I think, yeah. I, I don't know. And I, I try to listen to both sides. I, I kind of pride myself to listening to the story and kind of understanding their viewpoints on it, whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, you got to do what's good for you, you know, in the message for you and how you feel. If you're still, still not feeling good about, you know, the messages and stuff that you're spreading, maybe you shouldn't put those types of things out there, 
You know what I mean? Just like, don't focus on it and try to manifest something else and better for yourself and make that happen. I was listening to, we were listening to some um, motivational speeches or something like that on YouTube the other day and Will Smith was on there and he's like, it's up to you and a decision. It's a decision. It comes down to a decision and how you react to it and how you're going to respond to mm -hmm. whatever the issue is. You know, it's your choice. So interesting because at the beginning of the story you were talking about as a kid, you know, dealing with the very similar stuff, but way before the internet kind of put it yeah. on, you know, yeah. boil, right. uh, and, and just finding that with finding that sort of, you know, that, that confidence from your family and just from yourself about keeping a focus on what you actually want in your life and not getting dragged down by mm -hmm. it and now it's like that kind of that worst part of of like what we deal with in our social interactions has gotten this platform that just makes it so much more aggressive and so much more present in our lives and yeah. you know and 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 finding that same kind of focus to stay focused on what you actually want and you know make choices about where you're going instead of letting it drag you down but it's hard within the age of social media oh i don't know how i i don't i'd like to think that i would thrive through it but i don't know how kids yeah do it. but i think right. that's even more reason to just keep them off <laughs> but then you're the old people saying stay off the phone. <laughs> i roll <laughs> yeah, yeah you know but i and then on the other hand it's like okay let me just show you and teach you how to process this it's fine if you want to be on there but these are things you got to look out for now you know right. and, a little bit of media literacy social yeah, media literacy yeah, definitely <laughs> How does all of the very practical experience in kind of government, uh, how are you making use of that? Are you, you said you were doing contract work. I know yeah. that you, um, through your relationship with Michael and your interest, you work on projects with the tribal council at, at Coyote Valley. Um, how do they benefit from all of those years of experience? I mean, it seems just, it seems like such an incredible resource for any community. Yeah, well, in like most communities, you can't just come in and you can't just rule it and turn things around, you know, left and right. So um, it's just intersecting my ideas and my concepts, you know, with some knowledge that I know as much as I can. You know, I'm not the technical expert. You know, I've never been the technical expert on that. But at the same time, I can... I can get the people to be the technical expert, you know, and I can ask them the question and kind of help guide and say, okay, this is what we're looking for. This is what we need. And here's where we're going with it. So that's kind And of what kind of projects have you been involved oh in? Oh my gosh. Well, as you know, you may have seen, you know, we were working on the casino. We've got the hotel that's um, working out. We've got some other pedestrian and pathways um, that we're trying to do to um, improve the community there. Um, we also have some other ideas, you know, for community, you know, parks and other things that can happen within the community at that point. So it makes it kind of nice. Um, we just want to change the whole culture there, you know, and give the kids um, an opportunity to see something different. You know, uh, Michael and I and uh, have had the opportunity to see other communities, uh, white, Caucasian, uh, you know, African-American uh, native communities and so if we can see what those uh what what it brought for us to see the what is it called i want to say um not even the opposition but just to see some other things out there that that's all that these kids really need right now they just need to see other 
options. They need to be presented with that, you know? Uh-huh. Just kind of different viewpoints, different communities, yeah. different experiences. Yeah. How do you guys bring that to the kids at your in your community at Coyote Valley? Well, it's a work in progress. <laughs> it is a work in progress. We just um, hired a new education director. And so through that through the education and emphasizing education and doing well and giving them the resources, you know, to learn, giving them the resources to aid their learning, um, developmentally, um, behaviorally, uh, just all around trying to focus on their overall health and well-being is our focus, you know, and just keeping them healthy, Yeah. whether it's hygiene and whether it's making smart decisions on food, you know, learning to brush your teeth right, um, just etiquettes you know knowing what you, if you go to a nice restaurant you know like this is how i'm not how i'm supposed to act you know but but you know how you would want to act in that environment you know trying different types of food you know it doesn't have to just be chicken nuggets or you know hamburgers or pizza you know like there are some other good options out there that's funny <laughs> i'm like oh yeah well that's <laughs> with a teenager in the house <laughs> yes you're right. It doesn't have to be. I am not knocking it. Trust <laughs> macaroni me. and cheese is in there, too. Oh, my gosh. I had macaroni and cheese the other day, and I was like, this stuff's amazing. It's <laughs> quick. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's always good. there. Um, but just yeah, enlightening. You know, just trying to give them yeah. opportunity, and it's um, just overall culture and mindset. It's really just a mindset, you know. It's, it's trying to manifest it for them and so they can manifest it for themselves to be better people. and Not better people. They're great people, and they're so smart. But being able to exercise and get that out there. Mm -hmm. Overcome know, obstacles. Overcome the obstacles, yeah. yeah. Well, that seems a lot harder than, I don't know, maybe it I'm is. wrong, but that seems like working with like people's uh, potential and their health and their mental health and their kind of their life, yeah. lives and their potential and all of that seems harder than um, a government contract. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, there's a lot more, you know, thought to go into it, and, um, and the stakes are and super that I've high. learned yeah. that I've learned out here in just having a different mindset, different perspective. You know, it's not just always a one answer. It's a one answer for a lot of families, but it's not the wholehearted answer for everybody. And you have to always consider everybody as a whole. You mm -hmm. know, what's good. It's it's just not always that simple to say, oh, we'll just do this, right? You know, because. It doesn't always work that way. It's so. not what's meaningful for everybody. Right, yeah. So through the programs and stuff and just trying to implement little things and little twitches and focusing more on education, we're hoping to get there. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, Stephanie Hicks, thank you so much yeah. for coming in. And I, I just want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your your show here on KZYX2 and let people know uh, to listen and, and what, what it's about. Show. Yeah, and yeah. You're, you are engineering it. You've become a, a, a KZYX programmer. It's so cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I'm taking notes too, watching you on the board. Because <laughs> I don't run live just yet. I'm getting there, but... Yeah, so we have our show that airs um, on, well, it'll air this Sunday night, 10 to midnight, and then we will start with a Friday night, and it's going to run which time, I'm sorry? 10 to midnight. Oh, 10 to midnight yeah. as well on Friday night. Yeah. So this Sunday, it'll come up, and then the following Friday will be on from 10 to midnight. I so. think, yeah, I think your yeah. first Friday night is going to be April 2nd. Okay. And what, and talk about the, the music and, and sort of why you love it and that so, stuff. So we've been bringing um, the Cali Roots, reggae, even roots reggae, um, Hawaiian fusion reggae to 
our radio show. And that's just another thing that I've been enlightened to, you know, being out here in California and going to the festivals. And, you know, the music is not just, oh, it's reggae. You know, I tell, tell my, my family in Nevada, I'm like, I'm going to a reggae concert. And, you know, and I'm wondering, oh, they're thinking I'm, you know, well, I don't know what they think, you know, but <laughs> at the same time, it's good music, you know, and it's just, it's good vibes. Like I said, you know, it's like stuff you can just listen to, you can vibe and, and enjoy it. So it's uplifting. And I hope that we can bring that to you on Friday nights and Sunday nights, you know, just to, just to get away a little bit. And, you know, music is healing. So it's good vibrations. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Well, thanks so much. We have about, I don't know, two, two, three minutes left. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that, that you wanted to bring? The show's called Pomo Perspective. Any other kind of perspective or anything on your mind that you want to share oh with the goodness. listeners? I don't pressure. Know. I know, the pressure. Um, well, just getting to know the Pomo people here, um, you know, and the different tribes um, how they've, how their story in California is way different than our story in Nevada. Um, and what I know of most, you know, native tribes. And so it's really interesting. I it was able to work on our project with visit California tribes and identify there's 109 federally recognized tribes here in California. And then there's 16 of those are Pomo tribes. And so they're all up in this area and, um, there, it's just interesting to see, how they were created, you know, and Michael probably has a better story on that one. Um, but they are where they are because they were put there, you know, and they have ancestral lands throughout this county, throughout this state. And um, they, yeah, it's nice that they need to be recognized and, and understand the things that they went through, even though they may not have done their trail of tears, they have their own other, you know, trails of tears that happened here that a lot of people didn't cover because it happened so much later than the traditional Plains Indians and um, down in New Mexico or Arizona, you know, it's, it's, it's just a difference. And so I think that that's one thing that needs to be implemented more in the education system here with the tribes. Uh -huh. Even the kids here at Pomos, you know, they don't get to hear about their tribes in California tribes so much as they do, you know, other tribes throughout the nation. Mm -hmm. And therefore then California people don't get to hear that, you know, so that's why they don't know that and they don't understand that. Right. A lot of, a lot of work to do to kind of get rid of the, I wouldn't say it's amnesia. It's just, there's a, just a, a, a lack of knowledge. There's yeah. just kind of an emptiness there about the deep understanding of the history of this place. Right. And the mm -hmm. people who, who belong here. Yeah. Even Lake Mendocino, you know, that's the old Coyote Valley. And, you know, they got relocated, you know, to where they are right now. And we told that story to the little grandbaby the other day. And she was like, right. Grandma, Grand PC lived over there, you know, we're trying mm -hmm. to explain it to her. And mm -hmm. so she knows because that's a lot. Too, bringing that education to these younger kids they don't understand that you know mm -hmm. they really don't so it's hard to wrap our minds around as yeah. grown-ups too how, yes. how could that have yeah how, how could that have been done right uh, but it is still being done in so many different yeah. ways and um well stephanie i want to thank you so again thank you so much for coming thank in and sharing me. your life experience with us Yes, That's thank really you. cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Pomo Perspective will be back in four weeks uh, with more stories of growing up native and living and working native here in Mendocino County. Yes. And I am Alicia Bales, and I uh, am sort of engineering. <laughs> 
<laughs> making space, sort of. Uh, and we're going to clear out now for uh, Music Without Borders with Joel Cohen, who is standing by. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolitz and Jukaya, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. I was just thinking really nice and slow, but then...